episode and we got a special treat in for you as Jackie McMullen of ESPN wrote a special article on Kyrie Irving today that we're gonna talk about more on Isaiah Thomas but before we get into that we're gonna introduce our two co-hosts along with me Nathan Beatley we have Kyle and Jared Hesketh introduce yourself boys what up what up how's it going guys we're gonna start this podcast out like we normally do and go over the games from last week we took a 14-point L to Sacramento, where the almost 41-year-old Vince Carter put up a season-high 24 points, and we allowed 52% shooting from the field. And just to add in, we're doing this podcast prior to the Celtics game, even though it will be posted after the Celtics game, just to let the listeners know. All right, so what do you boys think about the Kings game? Everybody that came off the bench, so all of our bench players were – in the negatives and plus minus. They had a terrible game. LeBron struggled shooting. Um, but like Nathan said, the story was 41-year-old, formerly known Air Canada, having a throwback game at 24 points on 10 of 12 shooting. I just think we looked really bad defensively uh, that game, and we just couldn't find our shots either. Yeah, because we know Car- Carter's good. He was amazing. But he's not anymore. I mean, that's a season high. We can't let a forty-one year, almost forty-one year old, do that. Yeah, we did not do good that game. Um, I'm looking at the stats right now. At least you know Kevin Love played thirty minutes. That's a first, you know. <laughs> um, J.R. Smith. I mean, he actually played good this game. He had fifteen points. Went five or seven from three. LeBron didn't shoot well. He had a triple double, although he went six for seventeen from the field. Love did good, but yeah, the bench, Wade scored five, Orber did okay, scored nine, Green scored eight. It, it just wasn't a good game, especially on the defensive end. Um, I've seen better, but, you know, it was just an L. This was the one right after Golden State, right? Yeah, this, I think the yeah. energy the energy just wasn't there. Yeah, I think when, that Warriors game took a lot out of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you play a really hyped game in Oracle – you just can't – and they didn't get to go home and recoup. You just stayed on the road trip. Yeah. I think it was almost set up for failure. Yeah. All right, and then we did show a bit more effort in our next game. We took a three-point loss to Utah. Some of the notes I have here is Corver was 0 for 5 from the field – or from 3 and the field. Calderon was scoreless. Jay Crowder and J.R. Smith combined for eight points. Yet they only lost by three, and Donovan Mitchell dropped 29. Do you guys, do you guys watch that game? How'd you feel? I did, and I, I have not been angrier this whole season at J.R. Smith. Donovan Mitchell, he, he, like J.R. Smith could not stop him. Donovan, Donovan Mitchell did everything he wanted to do. Jeff Green, I mean Jeff Green did really well. He actually scored twenty-two points. Um, LeBron did good. Um, Love did good, but J.R. I was not happy with that game. Donovan Mitchell did everything he wanted to do, and it didn't even look like Jr. cared. And I, I was, I was really mad at that. Yeah, that's definitely a, it was definitely a poor performance. But 
But then we got to come back home. We got to get our mojo back. And then we took a 17-point win, which I actually was surprised it was 17 because I was sitting there, I was watching the game, and it went from like four to like 16 in like three minutes, I felt like. It just seemed pretty insane. Yeah, Wade and IT went on like a 10-0 run like by themselves, just them two. But I was really, really excited to see um, IT get into the game. I was like a little kid, like at Christmas time, I was like jumping up and down. I was standing up watching the game. It was awesome. He, he played well too. Oh, he played so good. Um, 19 minutes, 17 points, 50% from the field, three for eight from three, and it, like it didn't even look like he's been out for seven months. You know, he fit right in. He was making uh, he was making plays. Him and Crowder, you could see that Crowder looked really, really comfortable yesterday. He had he had 17 points. Does anybody know if that was Crowder's? Was that Crowder's highest scoring game of the year? Um, I'm, I don't know, but I mean, I might, I know with Isaiah Thomas, he just, he looked so comfortable. Oh, he looks so good. He, uh, six for 12 from the field, four for eight from three Thomas. I mean, Thomas, like 28 seconds into the game, a little pick and roll with Crowder, gave it back to him. Crowder drove to the lane. I mean, I thought it was a great game and I was, I was blown away by what, um, Isaiah Thomas did. I thought it was amazing. All right. Just for the record. Jay Crowder's highest was actually on November 20th against Detroit. He had 18. That's just a little plug in there. All right, what do you feel about the game, Kyle? Uh, for the Portland game, I just yes. I noticed I noticed that Portland is just a offensive powerhouse. Their starters are at least like those guys are. They look unstoppable. They're, they're elite. They are amazing. Uh, the de- our defense really makes me mad when we play like that against really good offensive teams. Uh, I don't like. And I'll continue to say this: like blitzing works sometimes, but blitzing against an elite guard like Damian Lillard and an elite two elite center, guards. yeah, two elite guards with Lillard and McCollum, and then an elite uh, role man in Yusuf Nurkic, like you can't do that. That's not going to work against those types of players. Um, we looked efficient offensively, which is a big change from Utah and Sacramento games. And it looked much better than I expected. He was a really Really pleasant surprise. I knew he was going to be good. I just didn't think, he, didn't think he was going to have that good of a game his first game back. Yeah, our overall. Bench, our bench did really well, too. Yeah, especially led by IT. And Wade, overall, was just a phenomenal game. It was great. Yep. I, except it, it didn't start out that way. They were definitely down at times. Portland always yeah. does that against us, though. In the first quarter, they always stick with us pretty well. I mean, even when Love had a 34-point quarter, um, they were right next to us. So, I mean, I thought I may be incorrect, but even like third quarter, they were still pretty close. It was like end of the third, beginning of fourth, where I was like, "How the hell did they just get from four to 16? They're they're a really good offensive team. They're really yeah, we good. Them. We outscored Portland by twenty three in the fourth. So, yeah, we really pulled away. Really put it on them. All right, guys. So we're gonna transition a second. So. If you didn't know, Jackie McMullen brought out an article today. It was mainly about Kyrie Irving, his thoughts, a lot about LeBron James, a lot about the Cavs, a lot about the trade he demanded, and a lot of it was about stuff that we didn't quite know yet. And the one thing that she said, that there was a proposed trade that it didn't go through, but it was Eric Bledsoe and Paul George to Cleveland, Kyrie Irving to Phoenix, and Indiana would have got the fourth pick that was eventually used on Josh Jackson. So my question is, 
Who do you guys think said no to that? And do you have any other comments on the Macmullen article? Because it was definitely a lot to take in from just one one article. Yeah. First of all, it was a it was a great article. Second of all, I think Phoenix was the one that said no because I think they I didn't think they wanted to give up the um their fourth pick because they really wanted Josh Jackson. So I think yeah, honestly, I'm not sure their fourth the fourth pick and Bledsoe would have been worth Kyrie. That's a lot to give up because he's a he's a decent amount younger and better defensively than uh, Kyrie or than it. Yeah, ultimately, um, it was yeah, it was it was Phoenix. I mean, I would I would have been fine with that trade. I don't know about you guys, but Bledsoe and PG for Kyrie, I would have been perfectly. And I think Channing Fry was involved. I think he was supposed to go to Phoenix in that proposed trade. Is that right? Yep, Channing Fry goes back home to Phoenix. Yeah, and um, uh, if I'm, he would have been playing with teammate. Uh, he'd have been working with teammate. What was it uh, James Johns? Not James, James Johns. Johns. James, James Jones. That's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, but um, all in all, it was a great article. Um, I learned a lot about Kyrie. And, yeah, that's my take on it. I don't really have that much to say. It was a good article. I, I recommend it for anyone who hasn't um, read it yet. Yeah, like Jared said, if you haven't read it, go read it. It's a great read. Um, I had a lot of takeaways from the article. But just answering the question about uh, Paul George, that trade between all three teams, if we could have gotten that trade done, as much as I love Jay Crowder and IT being on the team right now, the duo of Paul George and Eric Bledsoe would have been much better in my opinion. I wish we could have gotten that trade done. Uh, what I learned about the article from the article is uh, Kyrie is very self-centered, and I already knew that, but... Like when uh, when they had the conversation between him and Ty Lue where he said push the ball, push push the pace a little bit more so you can get open shots for your teammates. He said, I don't need to do that. I can get my open shot whenever I want to. Like he said, yeah, he said that's 23's job. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's 20. Like exactly what Jared said. And like you can't do that. Like, And then uh, seeing how Kyrie was upset about the trade rumors for that, for that big trade that, that, that they discussed in the article. I don't understand why he was so upset about those trade rumors because people like Carmelo start- and Boogie and Kevin Love, they deal with trade rumors all of the time, or they dealt with them for, at least. For starters, it's a business. Right. Like, right. You can't not expect that. Yeah. I think that the point that really hit me was he, uh, when Irving was asked, or she at least said when Irving was asked about if they were basketball equals, he said, I don't know if he did or not, or I don't know if he did or not but I don't really care. I didn't lose any sleep over it. And I'm just like, come on. You can feel like the tension in there almost. Yeah, he said, I remember reading, he, he thought, or he, he said leaving Cleveland was inevitable. So he was, he had his mindset on it, I don't think. I mean, I think he, I, I read something, not in this article, but I read something that he wanted to leave after the Cavs won the championship in 2016 against the Warriors. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of emotion that also goes into an article like that, which is pretty amazing how she really conveyed it out to the reader. Yeah. But overall that was a really, really fantastic article. Yeah, I read the article and uh reading that part about where he said he didn't care 
about pushing the ball. That was all up to LeBron. That's, that was LeBron's job. It reminded me of a similar passage I read from The Blueprint by Jason Lloyd. Another great book, if you guys ever want to read one. Uh, he said, um, one of his old teammates said that Kyrie would pass him, the ball, pass him the ball once. And if you missed that shot, you weren't getting the ball for the rest of the game. That's just Kyrie's mindset. He's not a team player at all. I love Kyrie, but that's that was my one um, problem I always had with him. Yeah, and I think they're going to eventually get that in uh, in Boston. I think they're going to understand that because personally, I don't think I'm not sure that Boston team will ever win a championship with Kyrie leading the way. Well, before Hayward, who like you could argue who's a better uh, player, him or Hayward? What would you say? I would. Uh, I would say Hayward. That's a mess. I I would probably say Hayward, but Kyrie's definitely still the late game closer that Hayward isn't. Right. I I agree with you. Um, when you said uh, you can't win a championship with Kyrie as a best player, I totally but agree. At the same time, you're not saying that Gordon Hayward isn't the dominant force that LeBron James is. You know. No. It's I not like a. Where's the ball going? It's not going to Gordon Hayward every time. It was going right. to he, LeBron. Based, the play was going through LeBron almost every time. Yeah, even if even if you said Kyrie was the best player on the Celtics, I don't think you could win a championship in today's NBA with Gordon Hayward as your second best player. You know? mm. Yeah, especially because you're playing against teams where it's arguably Chris Paul is your second best player, and he's or Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. It's yeah, it's yeah, it's something else. Or you just have LeBron James. Like, it's pretty insane how what the quality of talent that the championship contenders have. All right, so our next hot topic will be about the Cavs' recent losing streak. They struggled against the Warriors, took a loss against the Kings, and took an ugly loss against the Jazz. They started the season 5-7, and but they've dropped off, and now they're not. They don't have a great record on the road. How do you boys make out about that, uh, that losing streak? Is it a problem? Is it not a problem? Is it anything to worry about? I don't think it was a problem, and I'm, I don't think anyone should worry about it. Um, it was We went on the West Coast. We played the Warriors first, so obviously that took a lot out of us. Um, the bench didn't play too well. The shooting percentages weren't, weren't the best. Um, I mean, obviously, against Portland, you, could, you saw – um, what the Cavs, they got back to what, how they were playing, how they've been playing this whole season. So I don't think we should we should be worried about it. I I think it's fine. It was just a little slip up. I think we're good. I would agree with Jared for the most part. Uh, the shooting woes is, is nothing to really be concerned about because you can get out of shooting slumps uh, pretty, pretty easily. Just keep shooting out of it. Um, but my main concern is when you're shooting poorly, you should be able to hang your hat on defense. And that's my problem with this Cavs team, is they need to get back to the mindset of being good defensively and not just thinking they can outscore everybody. I know that they can outscore most teams, but they really need to focus on their defense, and that's what should have propelled them to wins when they start shooting poorly against Sacramento or Utah. When they when they play good defensively, their shooting woes shouldn't matter. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I just have a couple other facts that I dug up here. The Cavs over on the NBA have the sixth best winning percentage, drops to seventh on the road and goes up to third at home. So you wonder if any of that's going to translate to the playoffs at all. 
And even if it doesn't translate to the playoffs, you got to wonder if that potentially makes it an impact for them playing, say, like a Boston or a Toronto, to where if they're not as good on the road, they may end up extending the series and then being a bit more tired against Golden State. Just something to that effect. Do you think that has any consideration to take into how they can't drop three straight games against weaker teams, especially on the road, when they need to be at least like a top two, top three seed? I personally don't because last season, I think we had more slip-ups than any other team that was, you know, that was labeled as a contender. I remember I remember last season being so angry so much because we would just – we would lose to, like, not – like, lesser competition, like, so often. And we would often go in um, – we would often go in losing streaks. And um, you have to remember – with this three-game losing streak, we didn't even have Isaiah Thomas, and that's that's the big picture. I think uh, how we perform with Isaiah Thomas is ultimately ultimately gonna show how we perform in the playoffs because he's a, an insanely big piece for us. So I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. All right, no worries around here then. All right, so our third hot topic and our last hot topic is probably the most crave thing to talk about right now and it's Isaiah Thomas his return 17 points 19 minutes obviously he helped the bench he's going to be huge to huge key to LeBron James resting um he's he was huge with Wade on the floor he played well with LeBron off the floor he's amazing at spacing the floor three triples last night he did show that um the Cavs won't be a great defensive team with him on the floor how do you guys do you guys think what do you guys feel about his return? Did you like his debut? Did you not? I loved it. I was so happy to see him come on the court. For me, it was almost like um it's like that Christmas present you have under the tree. And it's a big present. You have a lot of expectations for it. And then when you open it, it's not as good as you thought it was gonna be. But like this Isaiah Thomas situation, it was like completely different from that. It's like that Christmas present under the tree. And um and it's and you don't really know how it's gonna or what it's gonna be, but you're really excited for it. And when you open it, it's way better than what you expected. That's how it was for me. I was not expecting um, I was not expecting it to play this well. Like I said before, he didn't. Um, he doesn't even look like he was out for seven months. He fit right in. Um, he played with pace. He really pushed the ball. That's what I really liked about watching him yesterday. He pushed the ball very well. Found open teammates. You know, he, he was being he was being IT. And that's what I liked about it. For what it is worth, I was wrong there. Isaiah Thomas currently has a defensive rating of eighty two point seven. So he they were also very good defensively. But keep in mind they're also playing mainly the second unit of Portland, and he's a superstar playing against the second unit players. Not sure that matters at all. But uh, how'd you feel about the debut, Kyle? Well, for what it's worth, his uh, debut off of injury was better than Kyrie's debut off of injury. Um, I had to throw that out there. Taking the shots, I see. Yeah, I had to. Uh, IT looked really good in his debut. I was I was pleasantly surprised again, man. Like, he showed off the three ball, like you said. He ran the pick and roll with Crowder, with Love, with LeBron. Um, and you could tell he didn't he didn't have his, uh, like he said, he wasn't going to have a lot of rhythm or his, his feel for the game or his feel where his teammates would be. You could tell that, that it wasn't there. Uh, he had a weird pass where he drove in and kind of got 
caught jumping. But other than that, he, he looked good. And I'm sure once he gets the field for the game again for with his teammates, it's, it's, it'll be even better. I'm really excited to see him back. I thought for the most part he, the rhythm looked good. Um, yeah, he had, a, he had a couple passes and, like, situations where you could tell he hasn't played. But for, I thought, you know, for almost the whole time he played, I thought he looked, he looked really well. I think the one thing that I kept getting the vibe of is I hate when he gets in the air and then throws it because he's so small. It's hard for him to get a good escape pass off. Yeah, yeah. LeBron does that. LeBron does that sometimes. Yeah, LeBron does that and legitimately finds corner three-point shooters on the other sometimes. side of the court. Against the Warriors, he didn't. I mean, but that's the Warriors. More shots, can't I'm sorry. You, can't use every example. <laughs> shots everywhere. But no, I was uh, I was happy to see him play like that, man. It, it was really good to see him come out and be aggressive, and to see him take a hit like he did uh, with Ed, I think it was Ed Davis boxed him out uh, or pushed him down. He also got one versus Napier. I remember Napier. He took Napier to the hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he also again Napier went at him, and then he kind of gave him a little shoulder to the chest. It's good to Actually, see that feisty Isaiah Thomas. That's right, what right, we used right. to see him in Boston. That's it's kind of good saying. to see someone have that passion. Right. Because for 15 his... years, LeBron hasn't always had that game in and game out. Right. Isaiah Thomas, I was going to say this, um, Kyle, when you said about the passion, Nathan, he got a tech. And when he got a tech, I laughed so hard. I was so happy when he got that tech. Because when you watch him play, you can, you can see the chip on his shoulder. You can see the motivation and determination and the drive and the grit and the grind he plays with. And – when we watched Kyrie, Kyrie wasn't really like that. I mean, sometimes it would it would show flashes of it, but IT plays with motivation every single time he touches the ball. And I think that's what the Cavs needed going out of this three game losing streak. Someone to show that they that they wanna win and that they care, you know, every possession. I'm I'm so thrilled about Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, overall it was a fantastic debut. I like seeing the comeback, I like seeing the win they got. It's definitely a good start to his Cavaliers career. All right, so uh, those are our hot topics. We're going to move on to our little game segment of Would You Rather. And uh, obviously, we've been talking about Kyrie and IT the entire time almost. So we're going to go to looking back on the trade, would you still do it? Would you rather have Kyrie Irving or IT Crowder and the Brooklyn Nets pick? What's your take? Because it's, it's hard because we got to remember Kyrie was a superstar. Imagine right, right. him still being content. Like, imagine there not being any issues. So if, like, if that's I've, the case, it's, in my opinion, because Kyrie and IT are very similar in the way that they play, and I think IT is a better scorer. I think Kyrie's more talented, but at this point in their careers, I think IT is a better scorer. And you're getting three assets for one player. Yeah. You get IT, Crowder, and then the future pick. You can flip for another player, or you can get a quote-unquote future superstar. Uh, hey, don't forget I would do. It. I would have to go with keeping, or uh, not keeping, but going with uh, it Crowder on the pick. I would, I would do the trade yeah. all, all over again. I'd have to agree with Kyle. We got so much deeper with this trade, and like I said, um, Isaiah Thomas he plays with so much passion, and the Cavs really needed someone like that because Kyrie didn't always play with passion. Um, you get Crowder, who's a great defender, and arguably the only person who could guard LeBron on Boston. So we made them weaker in that sense. And then we got Zizich who, you know, he, he can be a he can be a good center. We don't really know yet. And then the Brooklyn pick was a that was the ultimate 
deal breaker because um, it's so valuable and we can use it obviously to trade for another star. Or we could use it just in case LeBron leaves. So I'd have to agree. I do it all over again. All right. Yeah, that's definitely, I kind of feel the same. I would do it pretty much for the same reason as Kyle three assets to one. You can't really pass up on that. I think if you're Boston, you do the same thing. They've so many assets. It's not even funny. So I feel like both teams still got a good deal out of that. Right. Uh, my next question, I didn't even have this one planned, but I was really just thinking it with the Kyrie trade and the Nets pick involved. Would you rather have Badley, Trey Young, Donkick, or however you say his name, or maybe like Michael Porter? Who would you take if you got the number five pick? Just imagine a mock draft. Who do you want, realistically, who do you want the Cavs to get? Oh, that's tough. Because there's a lot of good prospects, but at the same time, oh, I'm not sure. So Badley's not, not going to fall. Yeah, Bagley. Bagley, Badley, Bagley. <laughs> he's not going to fall. Uh, Donkic, Doncic, or however you say his name, he's not going to fall. <laughs> yeah, this is a struggle for me right now. Trey Young Honestly, will be there. Colin Sexton will be there. Oh, yeah, he's, he's awesome. Um, this is tough. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go Trey Young. That kid's so talented. I say kid, he's older than me. That guy's so talented. I think he's averaging twenty nine point six points and about or uh, um a little over ten assists. And he can mm-hmm. shoot from like he has like limitless range, like that batch in two K. He he just gets like, buckets. He, like um, that guy in Golden State. What's oh, his yeah, name? Yeah, what's his name again? Uh, like like two uh, of the guys at Golden State. <laughs> All of Probably, honestly, like four of the guys on Golden State. <laughs> yeah, but no, I'd have to, I'd have to go Trey Young. He's so talented. Um, he gets buckets and he knows how to find his team. All right, what you feeling, Kyle? I I, I want to like? say I want to say Trey Young. I really do. But thinking about the backcourt of it and Trey Young, one who's five nine and that's the other one not who's good six defensively. one, right? That's yeah. terrible. No, I, Trey Young. Trey Young filling as a shooting guard. And you don't even know. I don't think the Cavs will max IT, but that's a whole different discussion. Yeah, that is. It's just so difficult. I like Mike, Michael Porter because he's long and he's got a lot of potential. But I love Trey Young because he can shoot and he plays like a traditional point guard. He, he, he reminds me of Steph Curry, but he also has a lot of Steve Nash in him. So I, I like that yeah. about him. Would you really be mad at any of them if we got Porter or Bagley or Doncic or Young? I mean, like... Here's my thing. I think Trey Young's game translates better than all of them because he can shoot in this NBA. At the same time, I think Porter's almost does, or even Bagley's. Because think about it: if you can get in a gym and Bagley's shot can get developed, you're talking about Anthony Davis level right there. We all know Porter can. um, We all know Porter can hoop, but we haven't seen him play in college, and that's my biggest concern. Um, he's been out. I don't know if he's going to come back this season. Yeah, there's a lot of players that tear it up in high school, and that's cool, but exactly. college is one thing, and then the NBA is a whole different thing. That's why you see a lot of college superstars bust in the NBA. It's so hard to see and like predict how, how players are going to play from college to the NBA because the game is so different, but I don't know. I think you're right, Nathan. Uh, he does have a lot of length. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely interesting. All right, so my last would you rather is it's well, kind of interesting. I'm not trying to uh, trash any of the players we have, 
but we have two contracts that I'm not a fan of. We have Thompson's contract and JR's contract that I'm pretty sure we both signed after we won the championship, kind of feeling money hungry. And so my trade is they both have not great potential. Tristan Thompson doesn't do much, and JR Smith's inconsistent on a downward slope in his career. And you can probably fight me on that, but it doesn't really matter. Would you rather be able to trade Tristan Thompson or J.R. Smith? Hold on. Back to the back to the last topic. Nathan, did you choose a player? I would have to I'd have to go with double T. Um I don't think he's worth the money, to be honest with you. He'll have his breakout games where he goes for eleven points, ten rebounds, you know, Break, real breaking out. Yeah, that's like that's like a superstar game for him. But you know, I think Jr. has he's a lot more valuable to the Cavs than Double T is. Um, I, and honestly, I think we can get more we can get more out of Double T if we tried to trade him because of his age, and uh, and uh, I guess he's he still has potential, if you want to say that. Jr. Smith doesn't really. He's he's 31, 32. Double T is 26. So I'd rather trade Double T. And that's that's the exact same way that I approach that question. Um, he could like Jr. He's on the wrong side of thirty. He's he's streaky in like the way he plays offensively and defensively. And Tristan's younger, and you'd probably be able to. You'd probably be actually. You'd probably be able to trade Double T. Realistically, than you would be able to trade Jr. Smith. Yeah, that's definitely uh, interesting, and it's definitely a, something that can be debated. I kind of feel like the same way. I feel. Thompson has more value places, but I also feel like J.R. Smith hasn't quite shown me enough to not want to trade him. I'm kind of okay with both of them leaving, but obviously I feel like Thompson's definitely more on the edge because also isn't J.R. Smith really close with LeBron? And yeah, right now, right now you're trying to do anything to keep LeBron happy. You saw he even got those uh, a touch in their new, what is it, the Nike Nike something jerseys. City jerseys, right? Um, yeah, the, I think the that's gray what they're ones, called. The gray ones. Yeah, LeBron even got a little thing in there. So I think everyone's trying to keep LeBron happy so he stays. So I don't think either of them get traded, but I definitely think uh, Thompson has more trade value. Right. All right. So that that basically wraps it up for this episode. We don't have any questions in the mailbag. We uh we do have our twenty one Chump Street picks of the week though. We have let's see, we have three games. Two games this week, two games. We have Saturday away at Orlando and Monday away at Minnesota. So two away games, a day in between. How are you guys viewing them, Orlando and Minnesota? Um, Orlando. Oh, that's when IT gets his first start. So I'm going to go with the dub for, Atlanta, for Orlando. And for Minnesota, that's going to be a fun game to watch. That is going to be really fun. First of all, it's Kevin Love's former team. And I like to see Kevin Love go against Minnesota. And then also, of course, the Timberwolves have added so much talent to their team this offseason. I don't know what their record is, but I know that they're doing a lot better than what they did last year. So mm-hmm. um, it's not a back-to-back, is it? No. Okay. Uh, I, I – I'll go with the loss at Minnesota just because they're so talented. Um, but I think it'll be a good game all around. So W against Orlando, loss versus Minnesota. All right, Kyle, you're up. 
Back-to-back wins, baby. <laughs> All right, you want to see him beat uh, Caleb's old team because Caleb? No, Caleb's going to struggle with that game, I promise you, because Cat's a handful. But Yeah, he's got Cat. I forgot about that. I was thinking Taj Gibson, but I don't know. Nope, he's got Cat. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. All right, I'm uh, 100% with Jared. Win-loss. I don't think Minnesota's a good matchup for us. Yeah, and I don't. I see us away at Minnesota where the Cavs, the Timberwolves are doing well. Jimmy Butler's firing on every cylinder he's got. Because if so, you want to, if you're going to try to hide JR off Jimmy Butler, you're going to put him on Andrew Wiggins. You know, or if you're going to try to hide him on Jeff T, you got to put IT on Jimmy Butler. So I just don't think it's a really good matchup. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's all we got, King James Gossip listeners. I really hope you check it out. Check in next week. We're going to have various mailbag posts up give us your questions give us your concerns let us know how we did and uh we'll continue turning up here's our third episode and another great couple months of cavalier basketball to come all right see you